Maybe we're gonna do this lipstick. You know, you know what's really funny about like um, you know, you we do these live streams all the time. We do recordings with our clients and stuff like that, right? And the funny thing is, is like the women I notice are the ones that are scrambling to get ready and they're like, oh, okay, let me just put my lipstick on real quick before we get going. And the men just sit there and like, okay. With bedhead and not yeah. even wearing. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I've noticed that too. You know, I, 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 you know, every now and then I feel like, oh, the injustice of being female. And then other days I'm like, who cares? Screw all that. No one cares what we look like. There have been days that I've done this live stream where I may or may not have bathed that day. And it's just like, <laughs> do people really care? Do people really care? They would if they knew. I mean, I certainly would. I think they would if they had to smell you. Yeah, I guess so, right? <laughs> oh, Linda, I am so excited for our conversation. Are you ready for the mic is listening? I am completely ready. I'm so excited. Thanks for coming. Here we go. The mic is listening. 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 Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Welcome to the Mike is Listening. I am Sia. And whoo, I took a hiatus from last week and I realized I actually had content that I could have played last week. So we're going to do a bonus episode on Saturday. It's the long-awaited fan expo episode. I'm sorry to my friends, Jonas, Jonathan, Brad, and Madison. I know you guys have been waiting and waiting for the last month. So that's my own bad. We're going to play the fan expo that was live uh, recorded at uh, basically, if you don't know what fan expo is, it's like a comic con here in Dallas. And uh, we got to share the stage with some other great podcasters. So uh, if anyone is interested in doing that for next year or for the next fan expo coming to your city, hit me up. Chuck's in charge of that. And uh, he's always looking for some great creators. So, um, Gosh, it's so awesome to, to, to see that there's a lot of different communities embracing podcasting and using that medium and tool to really help that community grow. So on that note, speaking of growing in community and badassery of it all, I am beyond stoked for today's guest, Linda Malone with Cop the Copyworks. And um, yeah, we met on LinkedIn. Yeah. We met, uh, I, I'm assuming I think through a group, she's going to correct me on this, but here's the whole fun thing about LinkedIn and why I focus my content for this live stream on LinkedIn versus saying I'm a YouTube channel or saying I'm a Facebook channel, et cetera, and nothing wrong with YouTube and Facebook. I am still streaming to you guys. It's just that our core audience and the people that you know we engage with is on LinkedIn, and it's such a great platform to get people to get to know you. So yes, I've been... So many people have asked me questions like, well, how do you make money on this live stream? I don't make money on this live stream. I make money from my clients who pay me to produce their content. But by me showing that I can live stream, by me helping my clients understand I have all the same foibles as everybody else and I screw it up just as much as everybody else. I'm not as organized as I could be. But you know what? You can still make do, you can still have better processes put in place, and you can still make it happen and create your own brand. So someone that has really just excited me and just like, just, I don't know, inspired me to say, you know what? I want to be just like this person. I want to be just as cool as this person is our guest today. Beautiful Miss Linda Malone. Welcome to the show, Linda. 
Thank you so much for having me. I know this is going to be a blast. Oh, you are such a rock star. Okay, so did we did we meet uh, through like I know we met on LinkedIn, but did I stalk you or did we meet through like a, a group? <laughs> I reached out to you because I saw you commented on somebody else's post about podcasting, and I reached out to you and said, "Hey, you know, I see that you're a podcaster. Can we connect?" And I and I think I even asked if you'd be interested in being on my show, and then we just connected and we instantly hit it off because you're awesome. And we, you know, we just clicked, you know, some people you just click with. I mean, we, we just clicked. You know, I, I have to say when I was chatting it up with you, I was like, Oh my God, why can't you live closer? Because I could totally tell we would go and grab coffee or something like that to, or some tasty beverage together at some point And just have one of those, like we can have a serious business conversation and then we could have like a, just laugh out loud. Like, you know? Oh yeah. We would disrupt the whole coffee shop. Oh my goodness gracious. They'd probably kick us out. Have you ever been kicked out of a coffee shop? Because that would be good. (laughs) No, but there's a first time for everything. (laughs) Oh my goodness. That would be funny. That would be hilarious. So, uh, oh, Brad, my buddy is uh, the one that I owe him on the fan expo. Buddy, I'm going to post it on Saturday. I promise you. I suck. I'm sorry. Um, But anyway, so I, okay, so Linda, I, um, as as we talked about this whole podcast, um, I title um, our podcast based on songs or lyrics within songs. And so when I asked you, I asked all my guests, what's their favorite genre? What is their type of music that they gravitate towards? Can you go ahead and just kindly tell me what your answer is? And I would like to understand why you chose that genre. I am always embarrassed when people ask me this because I love hard rock, like Godsmack, Shine Down. Um, I just always have, you know, and, but I also have like, I like eighties music. That's what I actually grew up on. I like trance music. I don't like country. I know a lot of people are country music fans just can't get into it, but it depends on my mood, you know? And sometimes I'll listen to like, if I'm getting ready for a client meeting and I need to gear up, I'll put on, uh, like the, uh, Nikki six is in that band from the song that I recommend or that I said, I, I loved, um, life is beautiful. And I, even though the title sounds like, oh, this is going to be such a nice song. The lyrics are kind of rough, but I love that song. And I will pump myself up with that sort of music. Okay. So, okay. I'm not uh, into the the metal hair metal bands of the eighties and whatnot. So Nikki six, I get it. He was what, in poison, I think, or poison. Or- no, he was in Motley Crue. Motley Crue. Yeah. yeah. Clearly I'm not a fan. Cause I'm just like, yeah, he's in one of those hair big bands, but, um, uh, and it's not to diminish who he is as an artist, but so I listened to the song this morning and I was like, when you hear a song or genre of music that someone likes, there's this weird, almost like additional connection you can make to that person because you can almost like hear, you start to hear their voices in some ways when they're talking. Cause you're like, Oh, okay. I get, I get it. Like I got your vibe. You're not a pushover, at least for me. Like whenever I hear, I learn about some that loves metal or, you know, harder rock music they tend to be in my head, in my head. Okay. I get it. Could be totally wrong. Purely anecdotal, no scientific background. This is full on 100% C of BS. I just find those people, you just don't mess with them. Yeah. I'm not a tough person. Well, I think it's funny because I've been told that, that like I am very direct. Um, I don't know if you follow like, what is it? Myers-Briggs, you know, I'm an INTJ and there's a lot of like CEOs that are INTJs and, we tend to be very um, unemotional. Are you an INTJ? A lot of people in in the business world are. 
Um, but I, I, I can be very strong, but yet underneath that, like things will just rattle me, but I won't show it. So it's kind of, um, yeah, it can be deceptive. Well, like it's, I, funny, it's funny that you say that you're INTJ because we did talk about this. When I was in my corporate life, I was an ENTJ. But now that I'm in my entrepreneur life where I think maybe because I can be me, I'm an ENFP now. I don't even know what that is. I just know INTJ and ENTJ. Well, I'm basically your opposite. <laughs> but I do think that's how we bond. Like just- I mean, with the exception of the intuition part, the N, um, the others is I'm extroverted. I feel versus think and perceive versus judge. And so, yeah, I, I but I, th- I used to be hardcore ENTJ too. And, and I don't know, maybe it's because my role was different too, right? Yeah. Because I wasn't in full control of my job and career. There was always upper management and, you know, powers that be. But now that I'm in my own space and I am my quote, my own boss, like I don't have to be a hard ass for, to be my own boss. You know what I mean? Like I, I can be hard on myself, but I don't have to be a hard ass on myself. If that makes sense. Right. Um, so I don't, either I'm just going insane, but oh my gosh. Okay. So uh, I, I was just going to say that when it comes to music, the fact that you do like the music you do, if you're ever in Dallas, there's, um, bands that come in all the time. So let me know. And you live in Southern California, right? No, actually, as of three months ago, uh, we moved to, I'm now in Arizona. Oh, that's right. That's Which right. is like the surface of the sun with cactus is basically how I would describe it right now. So you decided that Southern California and it's all gorgeousness wasn't enough for you. You just want a hotter, more of an oven feeling. So you moved to Arizona. Is that the vibe? Like it's just not hot enough out there for you? And the taxes. It just got so expensive and it was crazy, yeah. you know? So, yeah, but it is insanely hot. And my husband says to me, why do you even talk about that? Because you know, it's going to be hot. So, but it amazes me. I go outside and it really, it's like, you know, when you open the oven door, and like you have to pull something out and that heat, that's exactly what it feels like. So, yeah, yeah. no, uh, I, you know, I should be one to talk about it. It's, it's I live in Dallas, right? It's like over a hundred degrees right now this past week. Awesome. So now I've been indoors, so I've avoided all that stuff, but right. yeah, thank God for air conditioning, but thank goodness for that we've met on LinkedIn. And so I just want to add, you know, Darnell, thank you for like adding here. So the thing about LinkedIn and, and you tell me because we've been, we're, we're, we're Gen Xers. And five years, I would say about five years ago, I'd say it's fairly recent. LinkedIn to me used to be like a job posting board. Right. Now I feel like it's on equal playing field platform for social media. It's just a business context. What are you seeing? And, and do you agree with me? Oh yeah. I mean, I used to do what everyone else did, you know, just post up, I post a link to my blog and it was just, I, I never interact with anyone. I didn't know you could actually do that. And what happened is I went to, I attended an online webinar during COVID and there was, it was a copywriting webinar. And one of the speakers was talking about how you can, you know, really use LinkedIn to build your business. And she gave us a challenge. She said, everyone three days a week post on LinkedIn. She didn't talk about commenting, which I think is even more important than anything is to really yes. interact. But she said, post three times a week, do it for three months and see what happens. And so I started and what happened that really helped me is I started meeting people who were helping me to do a better job of what I was doing. A couple of people reached out to me and said, Hey, I see you're on here. Let's connect. And by the way, you want to hop on the phone. And I was, I had like this coaching, like, you know, for pe- from people telling me how to 
change my profile um, and the importance of commenting. And, and so within three months, I started definitely seeing a difference. Six months is when things started really taking off. Now it's been a year and all of my clients, I can in some way connect them to LinkedIn. So it's oh, been awesome. a game yeah. changer, total game changer for me. And it's been fun. I mean, I look forward to getting on there. It's, and I didn't think I ever would say that about LinkedIn. <laughs> That's funny. You should mention that because it's like, I actually took a break uh, on social media in general. Just, I just needed to, you know, not get caught up on something that we call with vanity metrics and whatnot. And as a producer for our clients, I worry about their numbers. I want the content that we're helping them create to do well. You know what I mean? And I realized I was starting to worry about other people's problems, not mine. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't even cultivating my my brand, if you will, as well as I probably should, you know, and it's, it's just so funny. It was like, I just needed to like, st- take a step back, like not get myself too involved, you know, and, you know, just, you know, if the client wants to do what they want to do, you got to support them however you can. Right. It's like, I don't have kids, but I'd imagine if I had children, it's like when they're starting to be like in their teenage years and their personalities are coming out and they're making these decisions and, and you're kind of going like, you know, white knuckling it going like, Oh my God. Okay. That's okay. You think that's a good idea. Okay. You, you do you just don't get killed. (laughs) Yeah. I don't have kids either. So I, I think that's a good thing probably because I, I'd be freaked out over every decision they make because it would probably be a horrible one, especially in certain years. Yeah. I, I should be more concerned about my own damn decisions I make. I mean, shoot, let's just, let's just go there. So, okay. So I am so funny. Like, I just got to tell you, so we've got some folks here that are like loving, uh, let's see. Oh, Brad is talking about Motley Crue. He's uh, correcting me on this. I did not know this about Darnell. He likes funk music. We're going to have to talk to you about funk music, my friend, because that is like a genre that I don't, I hear it. And every time I hear it, I'm always in a good mood, but I don't necessarily gravitate towards it. But anyway, so, um, okay. So catching up Owen, Bettina on YouTube side of it. Thanks for joining me on YouTube. And I got to tell you for someone that is, uh, got equal personality Lena, that you should get to know, you should meet, you should meet Bettina. I don't know if you know her, um, yeah. but I'll make a connection for you guys on LinkedIn. Um, okay. Cause she's got spitfire energy and I think you guys would definitely vibe very well together. I, I just, I can feel it in my bones. <laughs> so let's talk about this and because you know who you are today, you've been there, you've been done that. You've been done that. Let's try this again. Been there, done that. <laughs> um, where would you say your origin story? If you're the superhero, how far back would you go in your origin story to explain where you are the Linda that I know and like absolutely in love with today. (laughs) Well, the thing is the the writing part. So now I'm a copywriter, but I have always been in love with words, even as a kid. Like I just remember loving English class and that's always been kind of the foundation, the undercurrent of everything I did. But I have been through so many incarnations of different types of careers Um, including being a pastry chef and a bakery owner, which people are like, what? And then I became a fitness trainer for a long time. And I've been accused of creating my own clientele. They're like, okay, so you you were baking stuff and now you're going to help people work it off. But I did that for a long time. And uh, I did in-home personal training. And I just, um, I started writing for a local publication that was a business publication at the time. They're no longer around like so many others of them. And the editor loved what I did. And he said, Hey, do you want to write a regular column for us? 
and we're going to pay you $200. And I was like, getting paid to write. This is like something I love and I'm going to get paid. Like it was one of those things where I just never thought I'd get paid for this. So long story short, I started writing for him. I ended up doing cover stories. I ended up writing like half of his magazine. It was called OC Metro, Orange County. And um, Wait, OC Metro? Wait, when, what, what time period was this? This was years ago. Did you know OC Metro? It was a free publication. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm from Anaheim Hills, so I'm pretty yeah. sure I read you. I must have, I've, which is why I'm asking how long ago, because uh, I, I guess I grew up in Southern California, so... It was, I mean, they've been out of business for a long time. I'd say at least 10, 15 years at this point. Okay. Uh-huh. Well, I left, I left in, I left OC in 98. So. Okay. So this was 2002, 2000. Oh, I must have. Okay. Missed. Uh, yeah. Why do I feel like I know OC Metro though? I, oh. OC Metro was all over. I mean, it was a free publication. So that it was distributed through car washes and all this, but they, um, the editor really liked what I did. And so what happens in this business is when an editor likes you and they go to a different publication, they bring you along. It's like they they know that you're going to do good work for them. So at that point, I started writing for a lot of national publications. I was in, um, I mean, you name it. If you Google my name, because they do repurpose all these articles, it looks like, oh, she just wrote for Oxygen Magazine last month. And it's like, no, I didn't. I wrote that five years ago, but they're putting it out again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I've been in Time Magazine. I've been in, I mean, Good Housekeeping, Family Circle. I won an award for um, a lot of fitness publications, men's fitness. I mean, you name it. And I was in it. And then the publishing world kind of fell apart. And this was, um, I don't remember how many years ago, but I was writing for MSN Health. So online and doing those slideshows, you know, when you go on there and, and they literally overnight stopped using freelancers. I was making oh, so much money wow. from them. I could have just had them as a client and be happy. That's how much it was. And they just said, I'm sorry, but we're not using you anymore. See ya. Not you see ya, but you know, see ya. So, uh, girl, I've heard that. <laughs> Trust me. It, I know. Come up with a new pun, um, but otherwise, it's weird. Some days I just get it and I'm like, I know you're not talking about me or not talking to me. Like that. <laughs> and then other days I'll interrupt conversations. I'm like, what? <laughs> but. So, well, you know, I don't mean to be sounding like everybody else who who says, no pun intended, but it wasn't. Um, But and so I stopped writing for them and I had to figure out what I was going to do. And so I went online and I started writing for online publications. And then um, I went into fitness more. And then the cut, it just, I burned out on content, writing that kind of content. And just decided, you know, copywriting is, it's kind of a related thing. I did not realize how different copywriting was from the content that I was doing. It's a whole different, I had to learn all different skills just to get it. You wouldn't think. So talk to me. Okay. So, okay, look, I'm full disclosure. You told me this before when we first met, because I'm like, what does a copywriter exactly do? Because what's the difference? Because I I guess maybe if you don't mind for the rest of the audience, that's maybe too chicken to, to admit that they don't know. I don't mind falling on the sword on this. What the hell is a copywriter actually like, what do you do? Well, just to, so the difference between content and copy content is articles that are written to entertain or inform for the most part. Okay. And so we're talking blogs, articles, the things I used to do. Copywriting in my mind, it's, you start with the end in mind. You have an action you want the person to take, whether it's buy something, sign up for something. You want them to take some kind of action. And so it involves, um, like I'm a conversion copywriter, which there's different like niches within the niche. 
And so everything I do is geared toward creating revenue for my clients. So if they want um, an email sequence, there's all different types of like decision-making psychology that goes into like creating an email sequence that will lead them to take that action. Um, A lot of times for like SaaS companies, it's to sign up for a free trial, that kind of thing. But that's the Mm -hmm. biggest difference. And so it's not, there's a call to action is the, you know, the bottom line to it. Okay. And, and, and that's okay. So basically what I'm hearing then is, is there's a lot of, cause, cause here's the thing about whole content creation in general and digital media, it includes video, audio, and the written word, right? So what you're saying is there are those that are doing quote newsletters, right? That's a big thing that LinkedIn has right now is do a mm-hmm. newsletter, broadcast a newsletter. And you say in that context, specifically, it's meant to entertain, educate, inform, whereas copywriting is similar, but there's an actual purpose driven for the actual content, meaning, so you mentioned SaaS, software as a service. So if it's a a company that is download our white paper, that's their call to action that they ultimately want you to do is you're going to write some kind of content that is driven for the purpose of inciting someone to say, oh, I want to learn more. I'm going to click on this to download the white paper. That's the difference. Is that what you're saying? The nuances between the two? There are, and there's a couple of other things too with copywriting. And again, I can only speak for me as a conversion copywriter. There's other ones that have, are trained differently, but I take into account the stage of awareness of the person. In other words, where are they coming? If I'm writing a website, for example, are people coming to that particular page because of an ad? Then it's a different approach than if they are completely unaware of who you are because the copy needs to meet them where they are. So that's one thing. The other thing is if they are, um, is a product a commodity or is it like a real niche? So if you are like I've written for website developers, everyone is a website developer. So I need to find what is their value proposition that I can pull out and separate and use that as the point. Like, Hey, these guys aren't like everybody else because, and that's what I do. It's kind of my, um, it's my favorite thing to do because I love the client when they say, we never thought of it like this, you know, and then it's like, here's your value prop. Here's what I found. Um, so that's the, those are the differences. So content can have a call to action, but it still doesn't make it like a copywritten piece. And it follows a formula too. That's the other thing. You probably heard of pain agitation solution, the PAS formula. So that's like, you start out with a pain point. So if you see an ad that starts out with a like a headache head on. <laughs> yeah. And you have somebody who's in misery. And so you really you point that out. And then the agitation part is you really kind of pour lemon juice over that wound. And you, you get it. But then you offer the solution. So that's like a typical. That's one of the most popular copywriting. Do they still have that product? I don't know. And I'm so sorry. But as you're talking, I all I could think of that stupid commercial. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I don't even know. I don't think that worked. But I what a great. But I understand what you're saying. So pain, wait, pain, agitation, and solution, agitation and solution. I've never heard of that, but that's oh really? Okay. No, that's call me educated today. I love that. P A S. I like anything that rhymes with ass. So I like this. This is good. This is really. You'll good notice ass. enough. You see an ad, and you you can point it out. They're not all like. I mean, there's like I don't know. There's dozens of formulas, but that's the one that most people know because it's it's used everywhere. I think it's, I, I would call that like the late night um, commercial infomercial 
formula. Where you had the person in black and white and they're dropping things all over the place and they're like, tired of not being able to organize your fruit bin or whatever it is. And so <laughs> they're they so incompetent. Food. They're like, I can't pour milk. And you're like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> like, what's exactly. going on? Yeah. Oh, oh my gosh. But then the solution's in color and everyone's happy. <laughs> no, I love it. God. So wait. So, okay. Bakery. Like, okay. So clearly you know how to cook or bake at least, which right. tells me, you know how to follow directions because baking is all about chemistry and, and the order matters, right? And proportions matter. So were you always a baker and then tried your hand on it? Or was it something where you're like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm bored. Oh, that looks interesting. I want to try something new. I always love, this is now I, I, I don't like baking mainly because I don't want to eat all those things that I would be making. You can always ship always... it to me. Ship to me. <laughs> During COVID, I made a lot of cornbread. I'll tell you that. But it was good. But the um, it, for me, it's always been about the creativeness. Like you can see like the wall behind me, people are asking me like, oh, what's the, like I, that drawing that I didn't draw, but I colored it. But all of the, I love being creative. And so I've had my stint with the whole bakery and I was into it for the cake decorating, really. I love just doing the flowers and making and it just, it was, I didn't like the baking part so much, but here's the thing. Whenever you really love something as a hobby, don't make it into a business because you'll end up hating it. And that's what ended up happening. It's like, all right, this was fun until it wasn't. <laughs> that is hilarious that you just said that because I'm like, I love podcasting. <laughs> it's my business. <laughs> well, as long as you don't do it too much, like that's the thing is to not make it, a, you know, a chore. Well, I, I think there's a difference between when you're like producing for others versus doing your own podcast. Because I think there's, for me, it's different because like, like you and I were talking about earlier was like, I was running around like with my head cut off this morning. Um, and I was like hella behind. Now when I'm, that's for me, like I procrastinate for myself personally. I'm a horrible procrastinator for myself, which goes back to understanding the value of yourself. But um, but for my clients, I'm much more like, okay, there's a process. Here's what we're doing. Right. And it's, it's almost like, I don't know why I can't apply the same principles to my clients that I do to myself. I can talk a big game. What's that saying? <laughs> do as I say, not as I do. Yeah. I know. No, I'm the same way. And it's like, I try so hard to get organized. And with some things I am, like I have Excel spreadsheets. I have all kinds of, you know, I use Asana and then ask me how often I actually use them. You know, I start using them when I think I'm going to get myself in trouble if I don't, like, I really need to, I need to get this stuff lined up or it's not going to get done. Um, but yeah, but for my clients, it's like, this is the standard operating procedure. This is what I do. And they think that I'm super organized. Um, I would be shocked to know that so many times I wing it for myself. Uh, and I think, but again, you, you play it off so well in a way that it's like, everyone's like, Oh, Linda's cool, calm, collected under control. She's got this, you know, S H I T down and all that good stuff. Wait, I said ass, but not S H I T. Well, that's how I draw the line on that one. But uh, at any rate, so I mean, Linda, okay. So I know we can keep talking on this. So let me ask you this. Cause I, this was supposed to be somewhat the topic. And then of course I got excited talking about other things. How did you understand your value? Because being a copywriter, I'd imagine the pay is varied. I don't think there's a consistency on that. So can you talk to me about how did you arrive at yours and don't need to disclose your, your, you know, your pricing or anything like that. But, um, do you, did you struggle with that or from the jump? You're like, Nope, I'm worth this and suck it buttercup. 
<laughs> I struggled with it a little bit, but the thing I keep in mind is what I do creates revenue for businesses. So when, and so, and I don't mind talking prices, they're on my website. So if I do a, a landing page or a homepage, they're usually, a re- <clears throat> excuse me, around 2000, but that in- includes all the research. And there's a lot of research that goes into that. So people think, oh, you just sit down and write. No, this we're talking about four weeks worth of interviews and research and digging into social media. I have a 50 point checklist that I use to do all the background research. And most people don't have a lot of the information, but analytics. And so I pull all that together and come up with what I know will resonate with their audience. So to me, it's so much worth it. I mean, think about, you know, a company, how much they would charge for a service that, I mean, the companies that I work for charge, you know, six figures sometimes for, for their services. And so what's a couple thousand dollars to get the copy down so that people know what they do. So that's how I, you know, I was going to say justified, but it's mean, totally justified because if I can bring in one single person. You, you, know. you just gave me a light bulb that is so basic, but not at the same time, which is you have a 50 point checklist. That's you, your unique document that you put together that you're like, Hey client, here's why you're going to pay me this X amount of dollars. Cause we will run through all of these bullet points right. and that way we can ensure that whatever content or whatever delivery deliverable you provide, it will have gone through this process. And by the way, that can only come from Google or be your personal experience. I'm kidding. Don't, I'm not saying Google guys, guys, I'm not diminishing Linda's value. No, but I will say this though. It's easy to Google something like that, but it's not, from you. It's not from the Linda experience, if that makes sense, right? You can take certain common bullet points, right? Because everyone has similar process. This is not rocket science in that context, but I'm going to guess it's your personal experience. It's you as your personality to work through that 50 point checklist, right? Because let's, let's be honest, our personalities do affect how we view certain priority checkpoints one over the other, if that makes sense. Right. So um, did you always have from the jump with the copyworks, did you always, you know, like uh, have that 50 point or was that something that you developed over time? I developed it pretty early on because one of the things, as I mentioned, is the value proposition that I do for my clients. So if I needed to have my own. And so that is how I differentiate myself that, you know, I and I tell people, OK, I'm going to send you part of the list because no one ever has. There's a bunch of things that are just on my end. But um, I ask for things like your competitors, your, um, you know, where, I mean, there's a lot, the hardest thing, the thing that takes the longest is the interviews with their customers or past clients, because that's where I get the best stuff. And because people say things and, you know, as soon as they say them, I'm like, this is going to appear on a landing page. This is so good. You know, like, and it's something the client never thought about. Because when you're in the business, you have a different perception and it's kind of, um, it's kind of. I was going to say warped. Isn't that it's warped? I mean, it's, it's, it's <laughs> sometimes it's warped, but it's, you know what I mean? Like you just, you you see things in a different way. Yeah. So no, totally. Know. Yeah. No, I, I see, this is where I love it. This is why I know 30 minutes is not enough sometimes to get media on when you want to get to things. But I think this was a great overview in general view, Linda, because you're such a bad ass. I love you to death. And um, Gabe just want to say, finally, we never met. By the way, Gabe lives in Dallas. Uh-huh. And we've never met. So, hey, Gabe, giving you a shout out there. But um, 
for those that want to get to uh, know you and, um, you know, they want to get a hold of you, my friend, how can they get a hold of you? Um, just on my website or send me an email, Linda at thecopyworks.com. And I have a podcast too that you are on that has not yet published. Yeah. What, but I'm such an a-hole. You know what? I forgot to mention that. I had actually, I have a post-it note that says, don't forget she has a podcast. Talk to me about your podcast, Goose, uh, the name of it and all that good stuff. It's just uh, the B2B marketing and copywriting podcast. It's available everywhere. Um, I just started in January. This I have like 18 episodes. But I have people like you on who are, that's how we did this exchange. And I just love that because it's a whole different interview. Absolutely. And I, I, I really appreciate that you actually asked me to come on because um, at first when you asked me, I was like, I know nothing about copywriting, girl. Like, I mean, I'll try to provide my value add to you from my perspective, but I hope your audience doesn't think I'm a total jackass. But uh. <laughs> it, it's not copywriting. It's really no, more marketing. Yeah. It, that's what the whole thing was. And like I said, you were so good about... Okay. Do you have like two more minutes? Cause I just want to keep talking a little bit. One thing I learned about podcasters in general, especially, you know, um, those that are in the business side of podcasting, you have incredible listening skills. Is that one of the other like hardcore components you need to have to be a good copywriter for your clients? Oh, absolutely. And it's listening and it's picking up on the little things they say that they're, that's a surface statement. If somebody says, Oh, you know, if I'm interviewing for another company and they say, oh, their service is great because they just went far above and beyond what everyone else did. And I say, okay, now we need to dig into what is that? What's the above and beyond? And tell me, can you tell me? Sometimes they say, well, some of it I can't tell, talk about because it's, you know, it's corporate. And I say, that's fine. Um, but it's about seeing where you could get more specific and really expand on go, going where other people typically don't. So it's listening and it's listening for those little gaps. I think that's what's fun. It's like listening to almost like hear the emotion behind the words, right? Like you can hear tons of words, but if if there's something that you can get that emotional connection, that's what, that's what's like memorable. And a lot of times there's a lot of folks like you, INTJs, you're not about to expose your emotions if it's going to view you as detrimentally. Well, I can't even speak English, but you know what I mean? (laughs) Like you're going to be a little bit more guarded, right? Like, and so, yeah, listening really does matter on that. But again, it goes back to if you can listen. And and I just want to highlight this because I just thought it was, I, I think we need to just emphasize this more strongly. And Susanna Dawn just had uh, had pointed out this. Oops, there we go. Is providing a list of questions before anything. So you've got your checklist, but also providing questions that you need to kind of help hone in and identify. That's also extraordinarily helpful as well. And um, yeah. I actually have a little list, but I've never made it permanent, which I think, again, that that's going to be, I think, really uh, helpful. Um, yeah. I in general. questions Because a lot of times I'll, I'll ask a question and I'll see that the next question isn't something I want to ask, but there's something more interesting. And the thing is too, with all the content I wrote for all those years, it, I've interviewed so many people, some sort of famous people. I've interviewed, you know, MDs, PhDs, researchers down to, you know, man on the street type of thing, woman on the street. I mean, everyone. So I've gotten good at the interview process. And I'm usually um, like, I don't look up anything about the person unless I have to ahead of time, because if they're some giant, like, you know, really um, uh, <laughs> recently, like some high CEOs, sometimes I get intimidated. So I don't want to know who you are. It's like, that's funny. You should mention that because thank goodness everything that could possibly be documented about my life 
was not available on the internet at that time. Woo! So you could Google me all day long and I knock on wood should have a clean. And you have such a common name. It's easy to forget somebody else. <laughs> I know. Like, <clears throat> like from a security perspective, I'm like, yeah, screw it. Like, yeah, just, just Google. I, yeah, I'm there. Whatever. You want to stalk me? There you go. But, uh, oh my gosh, Melinda, I love you so much. And I would love to have you back. So whenever you yeah. uh, feel the compulsion or bored, I would love to have you back, please. Oh, that would be great. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. As I knew it would be. <laughs> I, I know. I can't wait. And then when your episode comes out, obviously, I'll make a shout out on that as well. So thank you very much for having me. And thank you for coming on the mic as listening. Yeah, thank you. Okay, so you have to come back. I love you like a love song. If you're ever in Dallas, we definitely have to meet up because I'm all about concerts too, by the way. So I love going to Oh, cool. Okay. So on that note, for anyone else that's in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, I do want to give a shout out to Global Leaders Organization. As I've said this many times, Aaron Greger, my business partner, and I are the Dallas Chairs. And we are all about uh, committing ourselves to community, commerce, capital, content. What the hell does that mean? You should check it out on withglow.com. We have monthly meetings last Wednesday of every month, but we also have online events and we will have a big conference uh, coming up at the end of uh, the fall here. More announcements coming, but let's just say you'll want to be there or be square. Those people, uh, that that's the type of conference you want to fly in for. So more information coming up from that. And of course, shout out to our own company, Innovation Media Enterprises, Everyone has a story to tell. Do it with a podcast. What we do is everything from consulting, strategy, production, marketing for that podcast. So we've niched down ourselves. So we will augment anyone that's in a marketing uh, department or agency or PR agency. We will not replace you. We can white label ourselves just to get some that content out there to help your clients. We're happy to help. And final note, Linda Malone, what are your last parting words of wisdom for anyone out there in the uh linkedin universe and twitter or not twitter oops that's another show LinkedIn. youtube and facebook universe advice for for linkedin is that what you linkedin advice for the next person you meet and uh what you love about it um i would say just leave a lot of comments interact with people i think that's under undervalued people will post something and then just leave the platform get in there interact with other people um leave comments valuable comments not just like i agree or yeah sure or add value. Yeah. Add value. And actually the algorithms do reward people that have, and by the way, do more than seven to 10 words, you guys, that's the magic number right now. As of today, the LinkedIn algorithm gods are looking for. So if you're looking to increase your followers, get more engagement, go to other people's posts and comment and like, don't necessarily share. Don't share on LinkedIn. They penalize you. And we could talk about that later. But on that note, uh, shout out to Brad Bethune. Thank you for coming. My friend, Check out his podcast. You'll see that in the closing cards. And I know I've been a slacker locker. It's another month. The CISO Diaries. I am publishing another episode with my other uh, uh, co-host, Leah McLean. The CISO Diaries. We got another great episode coming out this week with Dan DeClaus. So on that note, love you, Linda. And uh, I think that wraps it up for another episode of The Mike is Listening. <laughs>